In order to retire successfully, you'll need vision. You'll also need a plan to execute that vision. Welcome to Retirement Pathfinder with Barbara Lane and Phil Gusky. On today's show, we'll give you the tools you need to navigate unique challenges you'll face in retirement. It's time to chart your financial future. Retirement Pathfinder starts now. Welcome into the Retirement Pathfinder. I am Ben George, along with Barbara Lane and Phil Gusky. They are retirement income planning specialists. You'll find them at Pathfinder Wealth Management. They serve Rockford, and uh, they have plenty to say today in terms of taxes. It is uh, something we're all thinking about constantly, but I guess as the year starts and we get closer and closer to April, I guess I say year starts, but I mean, heck, we're almost, what, uh, almost three months into this thing after all this, but taxes are going to be important. We're going to provide some tips today, some things to think about when you're filing this year and you look back to 2020, so much has happened over the past year that there's some things to consider, maybe out of the ordinary from from past years. So we'll help you with that today. Barbara and Phil, welcome in. It's uh, good to talk to you. Yeah. Good to be here, Ben. How good, are you? Good, ben. I cannot complain. Start of the year, I uh, feel like we've gotten off to a pretty good start. I don't know that things have been crazy everywhere else, but that's just become normal, me personally, and I'm pretty happy with everything. <laughs> crazy is the new normal. Yeah, I guess that, so, ben? right. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, I have to say that uh, I'm I'm happy for a couple of weeks down the road when uh, March hits here. My daughter was born March 1st, and I always think, well, we're on the downside of... Uh, we're on the downside of our winters then, so I hope that's the same this year. But um, I'm just actually grateful with all the weather we've had, the coldness around here anyway, that uh, we don't live further south where they've had some really bad weather and, you know, deaths mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff going on. So I, I never thought I'd say this, Ben, but I'm I'm happy to see a minus 17 <laughs> degrees by comparison. <laughs> never heard that before. That is first time for everything. <laughs> I don't know how you deal with it, but I guess when you live in that kind of environment, you get used to it. Your body adapts. Well, here's and- here's one word, Ben, that you you got to really uh, take under consideration. It's called generator. <laughs> yeah, get a generator. True, very true, isn't yeah, it? Absolutely. A worthwhile investment, huh? Absolutely, it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. out there in the country, we get the power knocked out quite a bit, and uh, no, we we went a couple of years without it. And after you end up losing three, four, five hundred dollars worth of uh, groceries because your your uh, power got knocked out. Mm-hmm. You, you see what a good investment that is. Yep. You betcha. Yeah, all that meat that you've uh, oh. you've compiled through the through the winter, huh? Oh you yeah, keep, yeah. You got to protect deer that. Gone. Oh yeah. my mm-hmm. goodness. Yep. Well, I'm looking forward to today's episode. Hopefully, help some people out, educate some people, and uh, inform some people on taxes. These are their 2021 tax tips, a recap of 2020 as you get ready to file. And again, if if you have questions about this, obviously you might you want to work with a CPA, but Barbara and Phil can also help with tax uh, planning. That's part of what they do at Pathfinder Wealth, helping their clients be thinking about these things and planning with these things in mind. So we're going to provide you some uh, some information today that I think will help you out as you think about filing your taxes, whether it be April or a little bit later in the year. Either way, I think this will answer some of your important tax questions. So I want to begin with uh, the big one, I think, for a lot of people is stimulus. Last year, 2020, we had but a couple different stimulus payments, potentially a third one coming down the line. But I guess the biggest thing I think many people are wondering about is, you know, are they taxable? I think that's the first place to start. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll talk about this, Ben. Um, well, stimulus payments are not taxable. They're considered prepaid credits for your 2020 tax return. I'll talk about if you receive the right amount, if you receive less, and if you receive more. So if you got the full amount, you don't need to do anything. There's a link between your tax return and your stimulus checks. So the first stimulus check was $1,200. 
per eligible adult and $500 per eligible child. And the second stimulus was $600 for each qualifying adult and child based on the AGI from your most recent tax return. But the process of distributing these payments hasn't always ran smoothly. Well, in some cases, people didn't get theirs at all or they received the wrong amount. Well, the good news is that the 2020 tax filing season is going to allow people who missed out on a check or received too little to claim their full stimulus payments, which the IRS will send later this year via tax refunds. So first, check your stimulus payments against your 2018 and 2019 tax returns. If you're owed money, turn to the IRS's recovery rebate worksheet. That's what it's called. You have to fill out a recovery rebate worksheet, which is available in its 2020 instructions for filing your 1040. If you owe money, you just, you're going to receive the difference. So for example, if you didn't get your $600 stimulus check, but you owe $500 in taxes, then you're going to get a check for $100. If you made more, the IRS will not ask for money back if you received too much money, if you received too much, or if you uh, should not have received any at all. Now there's a third stimulus check that would have nothing to do with your 2020 tax filing, only that it will be considered if it's done for 2021 stimulus. Right now, the talk is $1,400 for singles, married couples, children, and non-child dependents like college-age children, disabled adults, if claimed as a dependent for tax purposes. Well, the one more, uh, one more item that I wanted to mention, along with the CARES Act, was the ability for you to deduct $300 in cash payments to charities, even if you choose the standard deduction. It's an above-the-line deduction, so it lowers your AGI, which means it lowers your taxable income. But again, that's $300 in cash payments to charities, not in-kind donations. Phil, did you want to talk next about uh, tax brackets? Tax brackets, yeah. In fact, uh, the question is, are the tax brackets for 2020 filings any different from 2019? And the short answer is no. Uh, But before we move on to another topic, we need to discuss a few things about tax brackets. Tax brackets are graduated, meaning that the more money that you make, the higher percentage or income tax that you're going to pay. So let me give you an example. A single taxpayer earning up to $9,871 in 2020 will be in what we call the 10% tax bracket, just a flat 10% tax. However, someone earning income above $518,400, which is quite a bit of money, uh, will be at the 37% tax bracket. So the more money that you make, the more tax you pay. And that's mm-hmm. the tax uh, percentages are called brackets. And there's seven tax brackets. Uh, there's 10%, 12%, 22%, 24%, 32%, 35%, and 37%. Now, we don't expect our clients to memorize and remember all those percentages, okay? You remember how much tax you have to pay, but not the percentages. But those particular tax percentages or brackets remain the same for both years, 2019, 2020. But what has changed are the taxable incomes in each of those brackets. So as an example, a married couple filing jointly in 2019 would need to earn 78951 to reach the 22% bracket, but for 2020, it's $80,251. Now, that all being said, what does it mean? Well, it means exactly this, that an additional $1,300 is taxed at the lower bracket, the 12% bracket. So that's a pretty good savings. So what they're doing is they're moving it up per inflation is what they're doing. They're Mm -hmm. moving those particular bracket or the income that's taxable up per inflation. An additional change is the increase to the standard deduction for 2020. 
So for uh, joint filers, uh, it went from 24,400 to 24,800. So that's a $400 increase in the standard deduction. Not too bad. (laughs) But of significant note is the big tax jump at two of those tax brackets. Now, if you think about it from 12% to 22% tax bracket jump, that's 10% bar. It's a lot. That's, that's a lot of money. If you mm-hmm. had to, let's say you earned an additional $10,000 and you went to the 22% bracket, that's going to be an additional $1,000 of, of tax. And then at the 24 to 32% bracket. So our goal for uh, you as, as your client um, and, and as us as a tax advisor in that regard is to do all that we can to help the client fill up or have as much money to be taxed at the lower tax bracket before it jumps to the higher tax bracket. We don't want to push our clients into the next higher tax bracket. And how do we do this? Well, uh, we do it by what we call rearranging some of the retirement income that is taken. So as far as, let's say, a pension plan and Social Security, there's not a lot you can do about that. But there is something we can do about how you take RMDs or when you take IRA money or distributions of that type, Uh, when you take capital gains tax distributions. Those type of things are important to know because that will keep you in the lower tax brackets. And so if you do that properly, then you can save a lot in tax. But it does involve some complicated software work. And uh, we would recommend you call our office to see if you could qualify for filling up those lower tax brackets before you jump to the higher one. Mm -hmm. That's a good idea because it doesn't work for everyone. I met with one of my clients this last year that um, it did not make sense. She jumped to the highest bracket immediately. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's right. I mean, it it does not apply to everybody, but uh, we have seen a a significant number of people this past year, uh, both Barb and myself, that were able to fill up the lower tax brackets and even take money out of their IRAs tax-free. Right. And then at that point, what they could do is they could take the money and they could do that Roth conversion we talk about so often. So they're taking money tax-free out of their IRA and they're putting it into an an account that's tax-free as it builds up. And then they take the money out tax-free. It's a win-win-win for everybody. You betcha. I have a lot of clients doing that. Yeah, exactly right. And so that brings us to the next topic, which is RMD. What is an RMD? Well, it stands for required minimum distribution. And the question is, what happened in 2000? 20 and uh, will that change in 2021? First, let's define what an RMD is. And it stands for, as we said, required minimum distribution. And it is a series of distributions that must be taken from what we call your defined contribution plans, another term for a 401k plan or an IRA or 403b. It's pre-tax dollars that you put away earlier in life, right? And so at some point, you know, the government has to take their fair share. So you save a little bit on the front end, tax-wise, but on the back end, they get quite a bit. And so there comes a period of time when you have to start taking that money out. And as I always say, the, uh, the, you know, the, the, the bold print giveth, but the small print taketh away. <laughs> okay. mm-hmm. Well, the small print in this, in this uh, situation is actually big print because it's big tax. Well, the government publishes a chart indicating how much you need to take and withdraw beginning at age 72. Now, the old rule a couple of years back was that it started at age seven and a half, but that has changed. And so the question is, you know, when you look at the chart and you see these weird numbers, what they are is they're divisors. And those divisors are based on life expectancy. Okay. So if you're age 70 and a half, you know, you're supposed to live another 27 years. Mm-hmm. And I always, we kid our clients at, at the seminars that, you know, we don't know what time we're going to die, what age we're going to die at, but we can guarantee you that the government knows, you know, <laughs> they, they've got it all figured out. So they allow you to place this pre-tax income into these plans. The money accumulates tax deferred until the day you decide to make withdrawals or at age 72, whichever comes first. And at that point, the entire distribution for that year is taxable 
in that year. Now, because of the COVID crisis in 2020, and Barb has referred to the CARES Act here, the government uh, passed a law known as the CARES Act distribution, whereas they would allow anyone having to take an RMD in 2020 to skip that year. They didn't have to take a distribution last year. But what many didn't know is that if they took an RMD or planned their RMD to take in 2019, but didn't take it until 2020, and you could skip it, especially if, if you were seven and a half in that particular year, 2019, you could take it as late as April 1st of the next year. Mm-hmm. If you didn't take it in 2019, you took it in 2020, Barb, you could, skip that, year. It. You could skip that <laughs> year too. So you could have actually skipped two years worth of RMD. And that would have been pretty, pretty slick, but a lot of people didn't realize that until after the fact. So in 2020, with the passage of the CARES Act, they could choose to do this. They could take it as income last year. They could roll it back into the IRA, or they could go ahead and do it a Roth conversion where they go ahead and put it into a Roth account. Now, 2021, it's all the same as it was before. Okay. We go back to the same system. You must take a required minimum distribution and uh, life continues on its merry way unless the government does something to change it again this year, which I don't think they'll do. I think they're looking for more taxes, right. don't you think, Barb? Yeah, I haven't heard anything about them doing anything this year either. Did you have anything else? I was going to add one more thing to that. No, go ahead. And then uh, required minimum distributions that used to coincide with what well, we call them QCDs, qualified charitable distributions. Well, now that the uh, RMD's uh, age has changed to 72, you can still do a qualified charitable distribution at 70 and a half. And what that is, it's not counted as taxable income for you. So you can remove the money from your IRA. It goes directly to a charity and it's not counted as income. Now, that's very important because many people, when they give to a charity, they write a check and then they use this as a deduction. This is very important because it's not counted as taxable income as long as it goes right to the institution. But a couple things here is that you have to have reached the age of 70 and a half, not the year you turned 70 and a half. You actually had to reach the age of 70 and a half before you do that transaction. And uh, be careful of your charity of choice because foundations, uh, private organizations, donor advised funds, they do not qualify for a qualified charitable distribution, but your church does. I have uh, several clients actually doing that. And uh, what they'll do is remove the money from their IRA and the custodian will make the check out to the church, send it to the client, and the client then gives it to the church and it works out very well. But that's very important if you're charitably inclined because it's not counted as taxable income to you. Yeah, I wanted to go ahead and make a couple other uh, comments too, Barb, about um, some proposed changes coming up. Oh, Possible. yes. You know, we, we kind of knocked this around whether we wanted to talk about it or not, but I think it's important for us to let our clients know this because if you don't agree with these proposed changes, you need to contact your representative right. and, and voice your opinion about it. And let me give, give you an idea of some of the proposed changes out here. The first uh, change that that they're uh, suggesting is that the the amount of money that you're, you're taxed as far as Social Security taxable income is concerned or Social Security cap is $142,800. That's, that's the amount of money that you can make to where they, they cap the amount that you would be contributing to Social Security. They're talking about raising that particular limit and raising it substantially. So you're actually going to have to pay more percentage of your income towards Social Security. Mm-hmm. Uh, second thing that you need to be aware of is that they're talking about uh, increasing the capital gains, actually doing away with the capital gains tax or raising that from a maximum of 20% up to 37%. Takes away the incentive for it would take investing, away, doesn't exactly it? Exactly right. In fact, part of the reason why you're getting uh, 
you're being given or charged a lower percentage as a capital gain tax is because it, it does encourage people to mm-hmm. take their risk, uh, invest in a business, stock, whatever it is, and you're rewarded by that lower percentage of tax that you you pay down the road. The third thing, which is really, really a um, an intention getter to me, is they're going to talk about doing away with the step up and basis rule at death. Now, what this means is that under the current law, and the way it's been for many years, is that if you inherit stock at the death of a parent or a farm or a business or something like this, okay, you get a step up in basis. In other words, that lower cost that your parents bought that particular asset at is now at the current market value. And that's what you would be taxed at if you sold that property later on. So let's say you you bought farmland at at $400 an acre. Now it's worth $7,000 an acre. Okay. And uh, two days after your parents died, you sell that property. There's virtually no tax on that whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Okay. So briefly what that would do is that would, you'd have to pay the tax at the original cost and they would done it. They would have done away. Yeah. At Mm -hmm. at death. And so if you Mm -hmm. decide that you want to go ahead and sell the property off, you pay your parents uh, cost and it, it would virtually wipe out a farm. It could wipe out a business because you'd have to scramble around to come up with a tax that you would need to pay that uh, that exorbitant tax rate at that point. So these are things to just be aware of. And, That's right. Yeah. And you know, like you said, Phil, people need to contact the lawmaker, their lawmakers about this because this is an important topic. And this, this affects a lot of people. I don't know it affects a number of our clients. Well, let me just finish up here with, uh, we had a lot of questions on filing advice. Mm-hmm. How do you advise yep. clients to file their taxes? Is TurboTax or H&R Block good enough? Should they see a CPA? What's your involvement when it comes to taxes with your clients? Is it best to file early or wait as long as you can? So let me address some of those issues. Well, most of our clients have a tax preparer, but once in a while, they're looking for someone. Now, since the standard deduction doubled with the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, the Urban Brookings Tax Policy Center estimates that 90% of taxpayers will take the standard deduction versus itemizing. In that case, I have many clients that use TurboTax or H&R Block, and many do their own taxes. They've been simplified with such a high standard deduction that there's really no reason to uh, itemize. Here's what we do know for those that use a tax repair. Their tax repair doesn't help them with proactive tax planning. Uh, We discovered this about four years ago, and then we decided to help our clients with tax-saving opportunities. Now, we are not CPAs or tax preparers, but we can discuss tax savings. So the question, and what is our involvement with clients' taxes? We asked our clients, when was the last time that your tax preparer showed you how to save $1,000 on taxes proactively before you file? What was the answer, you think, Phil? None. None. They don't. Mm -hmm. They're busy with tax returns this time of year. I have a daughter that works for a CPA firm and it's nothing for them to be putting in 60 to 80 hours a week between now and the end of April. So there's over 70,000 pages of tax code. There's about a handful that pertain to proactive tax planning. So when they're working these buku hours, when they're Mm -hmm. done planning, they're they're doing these taxes and they say, okay, it's time to take a break. And uh, they don't do anything proactively for the most part. Now, Mm -hmm. After about four years ago, when we discovered this, we incorporate that into our plans with our clients. And we review this every year for looking at things like Phil mentioned, blending incomes or maybe taking income differently than what you were uh, to save on taxes. Look at Roth conversions. We look at filling up those lower tax brackets now. And those are just some of the opportunities that we look at. But the last question here where it says, uh, is it best to file early or wait as long as you can? Well, if you owe money, <laughs> wait to file until uh, April 15th. If you, if you have money coming back, then I would uh, I'd file as soon as you can. 
Makes sense. It's really as simple as that, huh? If you're trying to decide. <laughs> well, this has all been some really good information. There's obviously plenty to consider when it comes to your taxes. It's, uh, you know, it can be a lot of work depending on your situation, but it is important that, you know, you work with someone that can help you minimize these, uh, these obligations because they can't add, add up quickly. And then, and beyond that, as y'all have kind of pointed out, there's a lot to kind of be on the lookout for as we move ahead. Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. constant communication with uh, an advisor is probably pretty important, right? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and for heaven's sakes, whatever you do, make sure you file your taxes. Uh, <laughs> I've run into people that have not filed taxes over 5, 10, 15 years. And wow. uh, it's a little bit of a mess to try to help them out of that particular jam. And it, we, we can, but uh, it's a lot of work. And quite frankly, there'll be a lot of expense involved. Or, you know, like you were saying too, Ben, you have to uh, seek out a professional because when we're doing things like filling up these lower tax brackets for Roth conversion po- um, possibilities, mm-hmm. you know, you can't, you don't want to do this on your own. So we look at previous year tax returns for possibilities for the current year. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. A lot to consider there. If you do want to get in touch with Barbara and Phil, start talking about taxes, do some planning around that, which will be very important because save you a lot of money in retirement pathfinderwealth.com. That is the website. You can schedule an appointment through the website with them. There's also some other resources, including all of our podcasts are there as well. So you can go back and listen to previous episodes, but also you can call their office directly at 815-399-9806. So I know we're getting closer and closer to that deadline, but hopefully, you know, people got a lot of value out of this. But, and again, I encourage you, if you have additional questions beyond this, or, you know, you have some specific situations or scenarios within your taxes that you want to ask about, go ahead and ask Barbara and Phil, reach out to them and uh, schedule a time. They'll be very happy to help you out with that. So Barbara, Phil, thanks for the time again. As always, uh, enjoy the conversation. Thank you. Thanks, Ben. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.